0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 114. It's Wednesday, June 30th. Dom, Jeez. we are halfway through summer, it looks like. Did I do that right? I think well, we're halfway, halfway through, through the year. <laughs> that That's true <laughs> as well. So, uh, man, bittersweet. Yeah. But we're about to hit July. July 4th is coming up. It's just true. So how are you doing? How are you planning to celebrate? What's going on, man?
1: You know, well, I just got to say off the top, if you guys hear any strange sounds coming from my background, there is some construction going on at our household currently. They are building or they have dug a hole to begin our pool. So hopefully there's nothing loud in the background. If so, I do apologize off the top. But, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a fun July 4th. Obviously, the pool will not be done by then, which is unfortunate. But always good to eat some good food, see some fireworks, see some family, family, all the fun stuff. What about you?
0: Yeah, I get off July 5th, that Monday. So Ooh. it's going to be a nice three-day weekend, I guess you would call it. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some porch drinking. and some, <laughs> Of course. You know, I'm sure people I – don't, I don't know. Maybe I, – I don't know if I really – celebrated 4th of July and Bowling Green before, to be honest, but hmm. if not, I'm wondering how many people will be setting off fireworks considering the residential neighborhoods, but... Uh,
1: you know those um, college kids.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, that that is true. Um, I want to get into this, actually, about fireworks. Okay. So, you know, we come from the country. Yeah, <laughs> so That's where you're currently located. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of in our blood, right? <laughs> Deep <laughs> down, yeah. firework fanatics. Yes, yes. But I've just never really understood the hype. If I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong. I, I can, I can watch them. Yeah. But am I really watching them? No, nah, I'm just kind of out there enjoying, enjoying time company. with friends yeah. and family. I don't give a fuck about some shit exploding in the sky. After I've seen it once, I'm good. I don't. It, it stops surprising me. It stops catching me off guard. Whatever, but you know, I feel like I'm going against my heritage in a way, Dom.
1: Yeah, you're gonna get roasted for this. Nah, yeah. I mean, so,
0: what are your thoughts?
1: It used to be like a big deal in my family. Like when I was younger, Dad, uh, they don't sell them in the state. I mean, they do sell them technically in Ohio, but mm. I don't know all the legal things. But yeah. we used to go to uh, Indiana the phantom fireworks. And they always had like the biggest and best every year. Hopefully the
0: statute of limitations is passed on uh, your dad doing some illegal activities here.
1: This is true. So uh, (laughs) we'll see what he's doing this weekend. But yeah, it was always such a big deal. It's not quite been like that in recent years, obviously, as we get older and he works sometimes during July 4th. But this weekend he will be available in the evening to see some fireworks. I'll keep you all posted on how uh Big Dave acts on you know, may,
0: You know, maybe that's why for me, because I my family just never really made that big of a deal about it. I mean, sure yeah. we would go out and watch them like on our porches and stuff, not drinking yeah right. time as a child. But um yeah, like I, I just they never really made too much of a deal about it. So I guess I just don't really care about it. However, there is a nice scene in the sand lot uh where they oh, set off fireworks. I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know because you've never seen a <laughs> So uh, with that, we're just going to get into today's topic. Um, it is Wednesday, which it means is. this episode is just a bit extra special. And here's why. We have a huge pay-per-view coming up, Dom. Yes. UFC 264, headlined by the Trilogy fight. Mm. More on that later. Yeah. <laughs> Between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. That fight is so big. So big. Yep. You know, we wanted to think of a topic that was very topical, topical for yeah. this fight, and this is the video. This is totally the topic idea we had from yeah 100%. day one. Yes, we totally didn't come up no with no last
1: minute adjustment right before we hit record no,
0: or nothing. No yeah. way. Yeah, but today we are essentially just going down a history of some of the UFC's most important, biggest. Best, memorable. worst, yeah. memorable yeah. trilogies. You'll see yeah. what the title is. It's gonna have one of those words in there. One of them. We don't know. So, <laughs> so I just figured I'd get I'd get them all them. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna go and kind of reverse uh, chronological order by kind of yeah. the last fight. It's kind of most weird, recent but, to oldest. Yeah. By by when they ended. Yes. So yeah. um, you know, it's it'll be an interesting way of going through it. But you guys will you guys
1: will get it. You'll catch it, then. yeah, yeah. Yes. And we
0: start with the uh, one we've talked about already on this podcast. So the, the most recent one we got to d- we got to go through the final fight of this trilogy, that being for the heavyweight title. All three of those fights taking place for that belt. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. Dominic, I still stand by this. I think this is over time. I agree time. with you on this. I'm a little nervous that over time this trilogy is going to become a bit overlooked mm-hmm. in the history of the sport. It's gonna I think it already uh, is. I think it is in a bit. I mean just Steve Bay has a, in his career in general, I think is gonna yeah, true. unfortunately get a little bit overlooked just because he's 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 a dad. He just kind of does his own thing. He likes to yeah. grill. He grill, doesn't only really make a big fighter. fuss about it. yeah he doesn't yeah. make a big fuss about himself. However, I stand by that this is the most important trilogy we're gonna talk about today in terms of legacy, yeah implication. I mean all three fights for a title Two guys at the top of their game looking to get that edge over the other in terms of being the best heavyweight yes. of all time and being a top 10 fighter in the UFC of all time. So much at stake in these fights, and that third fight in particular. Um, it's to my, I still stand by that third fight was the most important title fight in yeah. UFC history. If you go off of why we enjoy title fights, what the point of them are, uh, competition. Who's the best? Who's the best. And I thought these were two guys that were so neck and neck. Coin that, flip. Yeah. I mean, and Stipe wins, so he is the best heavyweight of all time.
1: Yeah. And I love what you said about legacy. This is like far and above compared to the other nine. We got a top ten list here <laughs> that we're going to touch on in terms of legacy, the most important, biggest implications, all three of them four belts, which you don't see very often. And the fact that it went – knockout for DC knockout for Stepe, and what better way to end a trilogy than with a five round back and forth brawl that could have went either way. I mean, it was absolutely just, this is the ideal perfect trilogy. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest with yeah.
0: you, in many ways it is. And you know, there is some things that you wish didn't happen in the trilogy. The first yeah. fight DC was kind of eye poking Stipe and that may have blurred his vision for the finishing sequence. And then in the trilogy, the last fight, Stipe, Stipe fucked up DC yeah, nasty. Eye, and that definitely had him compromised for the rest of that fight. But regardless, I don't think no matter what though. I think the guys who want the guys who won each fight I thought were the best guy that yeah. night. Yeah, and um, you know Stipe gets to win, so that doesn't hurt for us enjoying True, it. The Ohio boys love yeah. that, but um, that's a big one. So we're actually going to follow that up with one of my least favorite trilogies, and you know it starts off so great. That's that's a thing. Dom, um, before you show the, the uh, headline, yeah. we'll I gotta, leave I gotta the suspense. Build I gotta, the suspense. I, gotta, I, I gotta explain myself a little bit. So much of what makes a good trilogy is that last fight. That's really yeah. what brings it all home. Yeah. You know, your first two fights can be great back and forth. They can be wars, awesome, whatever. But in a lot of ways, they're set up. It's just like if you go to the movies. If the if you watch or a TV show. Yes, actually, a TV show is probably a better example. Game of Thrones. I've never seen that either. Okay, which <laughs> that's more understandable. You don't okay. have HBO. Okay, but it's one of the best shows of all time. Yes. So until you get to the last two seasons, and then it kind so of falls apart. Yeah. So seasons one through six are fantastic, but seasons seven and eight are pretty bad, and they really bring down the rest of the show with it. So that's much how I compare to a trilogy fights. They, each one builds on the other. If the last one doesn't really live up, then your trilogy is just kind of a... Eh. And yeah. that's unfortunately what happened with two of the biggest names in UFC history and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Boy, Man, honest. you know, Chuck Liddell got the upper hand in both UFC encounters, UFC 47 and 66. Which but makes those... you
1: wonder, why do we have a trilogy anyway?
0: <laughs> True. But those fights were so massive. Yeah, and you know, Tito Ortiz was such a big name at that time, such a cocky, like asshole. While yeah. Chuck was kind of the 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 the, the blue collar man, you know. I don't yeah, know man. The two
1: superstars, fire and ice on the trunks, yeah. man. It they was couldn't just be, the perfect be more They yeah. couldn't
0: be more opposite. They had the
1: backstory, former training yeah. partners. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, Dana was the the man, uh, manager for both of them. Yeah. Prior to becoming president of the UFC he maintained his friendship with Chuck did not do so with Tito um that would have been fun if that could have ever become a trilogy of fights boxing match talk about talk about some shit boxing I would have loved to see Tito Ortiz versus Dana White I mean back in the day people
1: Tito came out to like a press conference with a shirt saying Dana White is my bitch that was (laughs) right standing right next to the guy by the way yeah they are not the best friends
0: yeah, but as far as this trilogy of fights, the first two are fantastic, man. Yeah, back and forth. Um, Chuck gets the upper hand in both of them, finishes both of them, but they leave such a lasting impact that even for Tito, as a guy who loses both of them, it's not. It doesn't really hurt his legacy, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't come out on top, but you know he 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 needed to beat Tito in those fights for those fights to be as massive as they were. So those fights, you know, that's what the 30 for 30 talks about a lot. I highly recommend that such a that good one. one, yeah. Unfortunately, though, what bogs it all down, you see it at the end there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oscar De La Hoya, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you come in to the MMA space, and you take Chuck and Tito, who at least- Well at that, past their prime. And mind you, this fight, those first two fights, I believe the second one happened in 2006- the Golden Boy MMA fight was ten years later. I want to say it was. Jesus. Yeah, no, it might have been twenty seventeen. Both Regardless, men in their forties. Okay. Well, I believe Chuck was in his fifties, <laughs> or he was forty nine or something. Pain. Tito was in his forties, but Tito at least still had looked, been fighting. He yeah, he had yeah. been active, and he hadn't looked bad. Yeah, like honestly, like he was fighting in Bellator and guys like Chael Son. He was fighting other guys that were kind of past their prime at that yeah. point. But he still looked in good shape. He was still fighting at a relatively high level. Chuck Liddell was essentially – Brought off the couch. Taken – yeah, I mean, he was taken out of the sport yeah. by Dana White and the UFC because he could his chin couldn't withstand a punch. He got knocked out in about three or four straight fights cold. And he didn't want
1: to retire. Yeah, and know? Dana
0: was like, look, you got to retire. Gave him a job within yeah. corporate – that lasted until the, uh, till the WME. Wait, what was the company? Who, who owns WME? The yeah, okay, yeah. WME came in and bought it, and that's when he kind of lost his job there. And that's unfortunately, I think, what kind of spiraled into this madness. But these two, it, this fight was just made me so sad. Yeah. Because Tito just knocks out Chuck in like three minutes or whatever. Very
1: uncomfortable to watch.
0: It's very uncomfy because Chuck looked so slow.
1: Yeah.
0: He looked so old. And I don't see – and I stand by – even though Dana White, promoter, you can say whatever about him having people's best interests. His comments about this fight, I totally agree with. Who allowed this fight to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is, it was embarrassing. It was sad. The fight, and, really. the fight, and the fight didn't even sell well at all. Well, no and one was, was asking for this trilogy. No one. No. I mean, for one, Chuck won the first two fights. Yeah. Yeah. And two, this is 10, 11 years after this rivalry had any real relevance, relevance. in MMA. Yeah. Dom, that's what makes me the most sad is that these two were banking. Their pay was essentially. Based on pay-per-view buys, and it didn't even crack what? Like, I think it cracked like uh, I want to say ninety thousand, which mm-hmm. you know, it, there's if you're a, <laughs> that's bad. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, um, it's just sad because that means they didn't really make the money that they thought they would. I mean, I think they were projecting like four hundred, five hundred thousand pay-per-view buys, uh, and you get a fraction of that. Yeah, that's just. It just makes this whole event makes me sad. It's and the definition why, of unfortunate, and that's why this trilogy is ass. Screw you, Oscar De La Hoya, for taking our boys and muddying them all up. Two that's of right? the biggest
1: legends of the fight game, man. Yeah, but
0: I, I'm ready to move on for
1: this one. Let's right. digress from there. Let's simmer down.
0: So we're going to get into kind of a lame duck one, in my opinion. And yeah, a uh, Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber, um, a solid. Trilogy of fights. Their third fight was uh, a UFC 199, which is the first ever event. Tell them. Let them know. Yeah, first ever event I watched. Um, My thoughts on that fight the first time I watched it are the same. I didn't even know that it was the third time they fought when I watched it the first time. And now when I go back, I still don't feel any differently about it. Like to me, all Dom. Yeah, I mean, the first fight, Dominic Cruz was so. Young in his yeah. MMA career. right. Favor was a huge star already. starching people. Yeah. And it was Dominic Cruz's professional first professional MMA loss. And after that, though, Cruz went on to just become another level of yeah. favor. Arguably mean, like Faber, the
1: greatest Bantamweight ever.
0: The second fight, I mean, was probably where they were both at pretty neck and neck. But Cruz won that one pretty easily. And then the third fight was when Favor was kind of past his prime. Yeah. And uh, Cruz won that one pretty easily. So, um, this trilogy didn't do too much for me. None of the fights, especially, stand out, in my opinion, as being fantastic. Even the first fight, I think, ended under a minute. I think Faber yeah. catches Cruz in a, a submission. A, yeah, he catches him in a um, guillotine. And I think it's under a minute. But uh, the next two fights, I believe, go to five round decisions, and neither one of them are really.
1: Not many people are beating Dominic Cruz in a five round decision. yes yeah. I mean it's so
0: you know, I I, I like an, I like the third fight enough. I don't really remember the second one, but the third fight's okay. It's just, eh, I mean, as a trilogy, this one's just kind of whatever to me. And really, even the trash talk, Cruz just talks circles around favor.
1: He's just such like an intelligent trash talker. It's kind of odd. It doesn't like he. It's not like he cusses you out or anything crazy. He just like outsmarts you if you want to yeah. say that. I mean, he did it to Cody too in the uh, trash talk. The one thing I will say about this trilogy that's cool is this is essentially the two pioneers of like the lower weight classes, the men's bantamweight division for MMA. And for that, I think it always hold at least a little special piece of MMA history there.
0: Yeah, I would actually say my probably. The biggest thing I enjoy about this rivalry is what came after, and that Cody Garbrandt really got his rise. Yeah, it built of, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was Uriah Favor's kind of protege, and he comes in to fight for him. Really, I mean, that's kind of how it was built up as. Well, I, know I mean, he had, he had his title shot, but yeah. he comes in and beats Dominic Cruz in a five round decision that nobody expected him to do. Yeah. And you know that that's a big, that's a probably the big going to be the biggest win of Cody Garbrandt's career.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dominic Cruz was known as the team alpha male killer, and for Cody to go in and avenge kind of his team at UFC 207 uh, was
0: huge. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to follow that up and go up a few weight classes. At heavy boys. Weight. This was, uh, in some ways, this was steep ADC before steep ADC. Yeah, and you get away to put it. Cain Velasquez <laughs> versus Junior Dos Santos. The reason I say that is that these were two guys that were looked at as uh, potentially heavyweight goats, yeah. you know, in in their time. Um, neither one was quite. I mean, JDS had a great career. Cain Velasquez great career. Cain Velasquez, unfortunately, career cut short. Yeah. Although he probably could have been. I mean, really a he – One of the greatest. If he, if injuries didn't hold him back, that guy could be probably the best of all time, heavyweight wise. JDS just, you know, a legend. great career, um, and that, and he wins the first fight. On the debut, yeah, for made the UFC history on Fox, in some ways, they kind of ruined the debut for Fox because what a debacle! I believe, this I believe um, they were given an hour time slot. The rest of the fights, it was just a one fight, one fight, one yeah. fight gets shown on Fox, and it's this main event between Kane Velasquez and JDS. I believe the rest of the fights were shown on like Facebook or something, yeah, I, whatever
1: the prelims that stuff is, yeah.
0: And they give it an hour because this is a five-round title fight. <laughs> and JDS goes in there and knocks out Cain Velasquez in a minute. Yeah. A minute. Therefore, leaving quite a bit of air time to fill up. <laughs> Dom, you know how long a minute is when you have an hour air time?
1: Uh, if my math's right, that means there's 59 minutes
0: left. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And, yeah, sure, you might have some entrances in yeah, there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but. Let me put it this way: It made a lot of. There was a lot of awkward talking afterwards among oh, yeah. commentators, because I, you know it just blew up in their face. You want you depended on the single fight to go at least you know three, four rounds, a
1: little bit longer.
0: You know that both these guys' styles they were both so um, oh, never had shown a ability to not take a shot. I don't know if either guy had been finished in their career at this point.
1: Cain yeah, Velasquez looked
0: unbeatable. Sport. JDS looked like he was a straight killer. Yeah, and it, he kind of showed it on this night. And this was the first uh, the first time that you saw Cain Velasquez's cardio. Just, uh, I mean, this was only a minute fight, but he just didn't look right here, and that's what always happened to him whenever he would go and fight at elevated. Yeah, because I think this card happened in Colorado if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it's weird
1: because he's known as Cardio Kane. It was so so strange.
0: But then he fought here in Denver or Colorado, wherever it was. Yeah. And then um, he fought later against Verdum in Mexico City, both at very elevated surfaces. Didn't train there in the lead up and then his cardio just... This fight was only a minute, but he just didn't look right. Yeah. The second fight his cardio wouldn't hold up. Kane... I don't know what his I don't know what his mindset was at that time. Regardless, this trilogy of fights, though, the first fight was a one minute knockout. JDS new champion. These next two fights, people. Oh man, beatdowns. Rural. Absolute beatdowns. Cain Velasquez takes JDS to school for ten rounds straight. And honestly, by the second fight it finally gets stopped in the fifth round of the second fight or the third fight. Excuse me. I mean, you just feel sad. Like sorry. Oh, for Oh yeah. Guy. JD has such a nice guy and you just see, <laughs> he almost has like this puppy dog look on his face and you're just like, Oh my God, throw in the towel, please. Yeah. Like it's bad. But credit to
1: him, I guess for being tough and hanging yeah, in, but it was
0: standing the punishment is definitely a credit to him. But, um, because of that, this trilogy for me has always been like, this is Kane Velasquez is like kind of coming out party yeah. where it's like, this really showed people. I think how good Kane Velasquez was. Yes. He got knocked out in the first one, but I think a lot of people after that first fight made a thought, well, maybe Kane was just beaten up on some people that weren't as good. I mean, he won the belt from Brock Lesnar who a lot of hardcore MMA fans were always kind of hot and cold. Yeah. Skeptical. Yeah. Um, and then gets knocked out by JDS in a minute. I think a lot of people might have been overlooking Kane, and then he comes back and just puts on an absolute showcase for two straight fights. Uh, yeah, two
1: master class performances. And if people. I
0: remember correctly, what's interesting about this trilogy is I don't think any of these three fights were immediate rematches. No, I'm I think pretty there sure, were fights
1: between all of them. So,
0: like, I like that where each guy went back and earned it, yeah. Even though for JDS, unfortunately, the result was the same in the last two. But um, regardless, decent trilogy in terms of it's probably a good trilogy in terms of impact. But as far as the fights themselves, none of these are. Uh, They're unless, all
1: really decisive.
0: Yeah, unless you want to watch like the the third, the second or third fight for morbid curiosity. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say any of these fights are. Uh, memorable besides that.
1: Yeah, no back-and-forth wars in this one, right. but uh, I think the next one's got a little bit of back-and-forth war added to it. Don't so this you one?
0: This one's interesting because this is our only trilogy that does not have a decisive winner at the end. This is true. They are 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and you know who we're talking about. That is Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard. Frankie loses the first fight to Gray on a fight night when both guys are so young. Yeah. I mean, I believe that was on the prelims of the fight night. Crazy. Just showing just how young they were at the time. Then they're, the next two fights are both for the belt. UFC 125, one of the best fights of all time. You want, you was that probably, on our list? I don't remember. But, yeah, uh, wow, what a fight. I mean, whew,
1: whoa. And you uh, want to talk about a guy coming back, too, after <laughs> yeah. getting beat down early. The way that Frankie came back, I mean, un- unbelievable.
0: This was before 10-8 rounds became more common. Yeah, yeah. This was like a 10-7. Yeah. I mean, Frankie Edgar gets dropped like four or five times. Four in times round. in a round. Yeah. And, I mean, looked two or three of those looked like he was out on his feet. Somehow yeah, yeah. is able to kind of just will himself through the round and somehow comes back <laughs> the rest of the fight and debatably wins it Looks on awesome. the scorecards. yeah. It ends up being scored a draw. So then you set up an immediate rematch at UFC 136. Edgar, more decisive win. I believe he knocks out Gray in like the fourth round. Um, Nasty knockout in that one, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in in a way, it felt like a decisive end. Like, I don't think anybody was clamoring for a fourth fight after that, just because it's like, uh, think we've seen it you know well, we, we would
1: have to call it a saga at that point yeah i mean I, I
0: just didn't like i don't think anybody was like oh let's see a fourth one it's just kind of like okay i mean you know it's it felt like a very decisive end to yeah. their run because frankie just showed how much he had improved or um maybe he showed that that first round of the second fight was a bit of a fluke whatever it might be he was able to come back and put a very good bow on a great trilogy of fights with gray maynard by kind of piecing him up and finishing him in the third fight yeah that
1: was when frankie was really starting to hit his stride in that lightweight division two man and we see what he's still kicking it today in a <laughs> weight so it's yeah. crazy man how far he's come but yeah that's an incredible trilogy anyone who hasn't seen the fight on ufc 125 the draw you need to go watch it as soon as you're done listening to this podcast
0: you know what's unfortunate gray Maynard's so close to winning the title yeah in that second fight Really, after this trilogy, he was never really the same again. It's true. He, he definitely fell off after this. I remember he had the really tough fight with Nate Diaz, where mm. Diaz really beat the shit out of him for the majority of it. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that that those wars those guys put on each other. Frankie was able to hold up over time.
1: Yeah, two total opposite directions. Yeah, Gray just
0: not quite able to. But otherwise, a great trilogy. The first fight's just so forgettable it's really the 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 two fights the 125 and 136 those are the ones that people remember and UFC 125 it's one of the best fights of all time we've talked about it on our top 10 uh, title fights I believe one of the old ones go listen to it if you haven't already (laughs) yeah uh moving on from there now we're I mean this is really the era man this is where all these trilogies really no kidding man so many I mean right here after Frankie and Maynard you know, that one ended in, like, 2010, 2011. Yeah. And this next one will be, too. But these next, like, five trilogies we're going to talk about, most of their work came in, like, from 2004 to 2008 kind of yeah. deal. Just kind of wild how many trilogies The era of trilogies, dare I yeah. say. So we, uh, we move on to BJ Penn versus Matt Hughes. Oh, man. And this is an interesting one because – Uh, There's a big gap between fights two and three. (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, I want to start with the first fight because BJ Penn, as most of you are probably aware, is considered one of the best lightweights in MMA history. The prodigy. Um, That's where he did most of his work was that lightweight. He was very natural at that time to that division. Matt Hughes was a tank of a man but a welterweight.
1: One of the best ever at that weight class. Oh,
0: yeah, Uh, for sure. Definitely someone that if you guys are newer fans, highly recommend you go and watch some old Matt Hughes fights. Uh, That guy was a beast. A beast. But (laughs) he was a welterweight, a huge welterweight at that. And BJ Penn decides he's going to go up to welterweight to challenge Matt Hughes. Not a lot of people giving him much of a chance here. You got B.J. Penn, who, you know, it's – again, this is this is Matt Hughes's weight class. I mean, B.J. Penn was not necessarily a huge lightweight. And during this
1: era, you didn't see this. You didn't see nope. guys jumping back and forth weight classes, trying to get a belt in another weight class. B.J. really mm-hmm. kind of set the pace, set the tone for this very, very early on in the company.
0: Yeah, and within the first round, you could just tell that something's different because yeah. Matt Hughes – so used to bullying people in the octagon with his wrestling, um, slamming people like he did Frank Trigg across the cage and all that. that. Was
1: you want to talk about a great comeback, too. Go watch that <laughs> yeah. fight. That was crazy.
0: However, BJ is being the aggressor here, slamming Matt Hughes, holding him on top, not letting him loose, not giving him an inch of space. And by, I believe it's like four and a half minutes around number one, he gets the rear naked choke on Matt Hughes, chokes were him out. stunned. Yep, couldn't believe it, that BJ Penn, as great as he was, as people knew he was, yeah, that he had just beaten Matt fucking Hughes, who I have to stress was such a just unbeatable force at that time. A
1: freight train, I mean, literally and, destroying people. You know,
0: sure, if, if if a different guy was the welterweight champion, BJ Penn would totally, you would look at him and be like, that guy, he could totally win that fight. Because BJ right. Penn was so credited in his own right. Yeah. But when he was going up to fight a brick of a man, a brick wall, if you will, and Matt Hughes, yeah. nobody gave him a chance. No. And he steamrolled him. Shocked the world. The two fights after that, though, you kind of have – so I think that was B.J. Pence's first title win in the UFC, and then he would later go on to win At the lightweight belt. Because yeah. there's – the history of the lightweight belt – and I guess I can talk about this a little bit. It's kind of interesting, but it's a bit of a tangent. Um, the UFC had a four-man tournament. Um, I believe the first two bouts happened at UFC 39, and then the the, the uh, championship bout, if you will, was at a UFC 41, I want to say. And this four-man tournament, on one end you got Cal Uno versus Dean Thomas. The other end you got BJ Penn versus Matt Serra. Yeah. Cal Uno and BJ Pitt win their respective fights, so then they're put in the title fight to determine the first ever UFC lightweight champion. However, much like much like the uh, introduction of the men's flyweight title, were right, right. some shenanigans, uh, your title fight ends in a draw. So there's no champion.
1: Just so awkward. The,
0: so then the UFC just kind of don't really crown a champion for a while. Then they kind of bring it out, like Sean Shirk held the belt at one time. And that's where BJ Penn's like, Sean Shirk, you're dead. Yeah. You know, all that. Uh, Licking so, the blood off of his gloves. Yeah, yeah. So BJ Penn wins the welterweight belt, even though he's a natural lightweight, because there was no real lightweight belt to be had. At yeah, that no time. title fight. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but he would later win the lightweight belt in that fight with Sean Shirk, I believe. I believe Shirk had been stripped because he had tested positive for PEDs. Mm. The muscle um, shark. or No, actually, Penn won it in a fight with uh, Joe Daddy Stevenson. That's the the bout where he messed up Joe Stevenson. I mean, bloodied him up. Stevenson was crying at the end. BJ was a killer, man, in his prime. You guys, newer fans might not realize it because of the unfortunate kind of ending of his career. Yeah. But that guy at one time was the total package. uh, Now – Later, Matt Hughes would get that win back at UFC 63. Pretty one-sided fashion. I mean, he did much more of what you thought he would do. He kind of overpowered BJ. When he got him in top control, he did a really good job of putting him in a crucifix.
1: Yeah, Matt's grappling was so good in the day,
0: man. Nasty ground and pound. And then you kind of get a weird gap before UFC 123, which I believe is Matt Hughes' retirement fight. He gets knocked out by B.J. Penn in 21 seconds. And if this hurts even more, this is the last win of B.J. Penn's career, but he would go on to fight for about a decade longer. Yeah. So, Dominic, any, what? Do you, what do you kind of think about this after I really laid out a lot of history for you there? Well, I mean, when
1: I think of my childhood and first getting into the UFC, these were like two of the faces of the company at the time. <laughs> you know, you had the – the Chuck and Tito's, you had BJ Matt Hughes, you had Anderson Silva debuting in 06. Those were like the guys, the faces of the company, all in different weight classes. And so when this happened, it was just so historical. It's still two of the greatest ever, regardless of how their careers may have ended. And, you know, of course, all the unfortunate stuff with Matt Hughes now, thank goodness he's doing better and the UFC is helping him there. But yeah. two straight up legends of the UFC, legends of mixed martial arts. And it's so good that two guys like that got to have a trilogy with one
0: another you know what couldn't have said it any better myself and we're gonna stick with matt hughes here he likes some trilogies he likes losing some trilogies at that but Uh this one i mean come on the two i mean these are all goats we're talking about here i mean you could
1: argue these are the two greatest welterweights of all time still to this day you can make this argument
0: i completely agree with you i know you know don't get me wrong. We've entirely. got Usman
1: and Woodley yeah. catching Hughes.
0: but Yeah. Usman, you could make an argument a second at yeah. this point, but real, real OGs know. Matt, <laughs> Matt Hughes is, is, is the man. He's up there. Now, he does like losing some trilogies, though. True. Here he he was on the losing end of a trilogy against George St. Pierre, UFC 50, 65, and 79. One of GSP only has two losses in his professional MMA career. Yep. First one being to Matt Hughes, a young GSP. A very slick way to lose too. He put uh, he caught GSP in an arm bar at the end of round one of their first fight at UFC 50. GSP tapped at one second left in the round.
1: Unfortunate. Stuff. He tapped. Wow. What, if, what if GSP never tapped?
0: <laughs> because GSP was very competitive in that round. Yeah, I mean, he was we're young still talking a
1: young GSP. This, this
0: yeah. is a young GSP that um, he would grow a lot oh, after God. his second loss to Matt Sarah, because after that he became more risk-averse and played a more safer style, a more complete fight, if you will. Um, but here, he was very um, energetic, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's the word. He was he was very fast, very quick, moving mm. around the octagon. Not that that changed necessarily, but he, has, he played it more safe in his later fights. He here was so just methodical a, and strategic. Yeah, here he was just so different. It was just like a guy having fun in there.
1: Something and, about uh, GSP versus guys that are named Matt, I guess. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Uh, but that first fight of Matt Hughes, man, I'm telling you, it's crazy. Like as soon as Hughes put that armbar on, GSP tapped. tapped. He probably yeah. could have just not
1: <laughs> Yeah, and had been fine. But Matt may have snapped his arm
0: in half. <laughs> I Maybe. But, I mean, it was like right one yeah. second left, man. Uh, however, GSP would come back from this. Um, he would go on to beat Matt Hughes in pretty decisive fashion in their later two fights. Matt Hughes, at that point, even at UFC 65 and 79, he was definitely past his prime at that point, which is, which yeah. is crazy about the guy fighting until UFC 123. But um, GSP was, it was really the passing of the torch that UFC yeah. 65. Yeah. Sure, they would have their trilogy. But really, the third fight was kind of like, and it was inevitable because Matt Hughes was still winning. Yeah. But everybody knew at that point that the the tide had changed. You know, the first mm-hmm. fight, GSP's the young up and comer, but Matt Hughes is king, and now Matt Hughes is on the decline. GSP king. That was, yeah. that's what you got with the the next two fights, and you know, it's a great trilogy. I think it's a very underrated one. All three ended a finish. Yeah, I believe. All three are for the title. I can't. Yeah, I, I think, think uh, so. Because Matt Sarah beat GSP at UFC 69. That would be the next fight after the second yeah. Matt Hughes one, which is kind of what's interesting is you kind of pass the torch, but then he lost his next fight. In right. One of the biggest upsets ever. So small blip on the radar there. right? Yeah. But uh, otherwise, it's a great trilogy. Highly recommend all three of these fights. They're all really fun to watch. Uh, these two. Very respectful with one another. Not a very, you know, you, you see the the, the
1: post fight interview, man. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> impressed with your performance. <laughs> he wasn't even trying to be mean, but it came off as just yeah. so awkward <laughs> trash talk, man.
0: Hilarious, but uh, that's just how these two were. They were very respectful in the octagon. They they didn't use their mouth a lot, but it's still one of the best trilogies of all time, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and that's what I love so much about GSP and his legacy, too, and I've talked about this before, but two losses ever in his entire career. Both losses he avenged, and both Mm -hmm. were in title fights. I mean, it really speaks to the legend that GSP is and why he's so high up on nearly everyone's GOAT list for that simple reason right there. So
0: Now we're going to transition into the most one-sided trilogy, if you will. Tito Ortiz versus Ken Slamcock, I mean Shamrock. Wow. That's what, wow. That's, what T, that's what Tito called him. Right? Oh, I see what you did there. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh <laughs> this is a trilogy that look, I mean it's it was so big for the UFC at the time. That first fight, Master. especially UFC 40 was probably the first super fight in UFC history. I mean this was before yeah. even Tito had fought Randy or Chuck, yeah. before Randy and Chuck had ever fought, which we'll talk about them in a little bit. This but is
1: really when Tito was the face of the mm-hmm. whole organization before mm-hmm. those other guys like you mentioned.
0: And he had had his battles with the Lions then, which is yeah. Ken Shamrock's gym. Um, I want to say he had fought guys like maybe Jerry Bolander, and then um, he had fought, fought Ken's brother Frank in a losing effort. And then there was uh, Guy yeah, where uh, – I believe Guy Mesger beat Tito the first time. However, he beat him the first time in a situation where, oh, God, I'm going to forget this now. So Tito had top position, um, had him on the ground, had top position. This is like UFC 20-something. This is so early on in the development of MMA. And I believe uh, Guy Mesger was like cut, was bleeding pretty bad. So John McCarthy steps in and stands him up and has the the doc look at him, clear him up a little bit. Well, then he starts the fight, but he starts it with them standing. Tito loses his top position. Tito yeah. ends up losing the fight, gets caught in a guillotine, I believe, and loses. Who would so, have called Big John? <laughs> what if? But um, he would go on to beat Guy Mesker, I believe, later, and that's where you saw the shirt. Gay Mesker is my bitch. Yeah, it
1: was a, it was a different so, time and era. So- <laughs> <laughs> something that's
0: for with sure. something with Tito and uh Is My Bitch shirts is just yeah, it's I don't know who his t shirt guy is, but well uh, and
1: he's flipping off Ken Shamrock yeah. when he yeah. gets the win, and that's when he started doing when he would dig up the body, yeah, throw the it gra- in and stuff. The, the
0: gravedigger celebration. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this there was a lot of animosity going into this fight. And, I mean, like this is other. this is like the beginnings of seeing UFC mentioned on TV, the best yeah. damn sports show. Uh they had an interview segment on there where Tito, at the time, you go and look at these clips if you can find them. Tito was a great talker at the time. He was. That's what's so funny about now. People like
1: now it's so cringe, he's, but at he's, the time it was big.
0: He was really good at talking at the time, and like if he had talked the way he does now, nobody would have bought into the no, UFC. Not at all. So good on him for at least I don't know putting together a couple good yeah. uh, acting performances Promos. or whatever. Uh, but Ken Shamrock was a big star because he had a guy that transitioned into wrestling. He yep. was WWE for a while, um, but also just a big name in MMA. He was there at UFC 1. Yep. But Tito would pretty one-decided fashion win all three of these. The first fight actually, if you go back and watch it, it's actually a decently competitive fight. Uh, Ken definitely holds his own in that one. Um, however, Tito gets to win. Yeah. Uh, They would go on to fight again at UFC 61. That was the fight, along with another one of these trilogies that occurred there. Um, However, that was the fight where Herb Dean stopped it due to Tito's ground and pound, and like after a minute and some change. Yeah. And then Ken jumps right up and is like, why did you stop it and all that? And even though like he was getting pummeled because of that, that's why they set up the third fight being on Spike TV instead of pay-per-view and tito would win in similar fashion i just love that it's
1: fight night 6.5 that's my favorite part of that (laughs)
0: technically it's called ortiz versus shamrock 3 to final chapter oh yeah this is when we were
1: still naming events i forgot
0: (laughs) but however on wikipedia they listed as ufc fight night 6.5 so do with that what you will. <laughs> so uh yeah, any other thoughts on this trilogy? I mean it it was really one sided in retrospect, but huge for the time. You can't
1: talk about this trilogy you now without mentioning when Ken Flipped the chair up with the purple like Undertaker lighting at the press conference, and Dana's like, What just happened? He He catches the chair. Yeah, it's just I don't know what kid did to that chair, but it flipped up like it just jumped off a trampoline. It was just crazy. He
0: literally kicked it straight up in the air and (laughs) straight into Dana's hands. Oh, it's like really majestic. Dana looked surprised that like he (laughs) caught it. Like, I don't even think he was even, I don't even think he knew that the chair had been kicked. It just all of a sudden was in his hands. He's like, what and all Tito does is just
1: start laughing, man. It's just uh, you. You well, just gotta
0: talk about. You it. gotta love the Kim lines, man. Like uh, he's like, he's like on Saturday, I'm going to beat you into a living death. Yeah. And Tito just starts laughing, completely yeah. takes the piss out of his fucking the shots he was taking at him, and then that's when Ken the kicks chair the goes chair flying. Him. Yes, and Undertaker lighting just yeah on all 10. purple. It was yeah, very look at, WWE-esque. It's looking, it's looking like your your color in the, oh, in the back. Yeah, right here, in the back there. <laughs> uh, very much so. Imagine that. But like Dom's whole room is just yeah, like that on color. top of me
1: right here. Yeah. yeah. But, maybe, uh, maybe I'll pull that out sometime in the future.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we'll transition from there into a trilogy that's
1: kind this of forgotten here,
0: yeah. forgotten in a lot of ways, but maybe for good reason because <laughs> the third fight doesn't really hold up, and that's going to be. Tim Sylvia, and Andre Arlovsky. For many people, they look at this era as a very low point in the UFC's heavyweight division. Yeah, Um, I believe only two times in UFC pay-per-view history has the heavyweight title not been the main event, and both times were Tim Sylvia fights. Fun fact. Which, you know, it's not really fair to Tim. He was really good for his time. Six-foot-eight, big monster guy. You know, I I kind of... uh, the guy gets a lot of unnecessary hate. Yeah, I agree. However, in this trilogy, this is kind of one of the big reasons for it. So, Andre Arlovsky, one of my favorite fighters. Yeah. Much of the reason being, in case you can't tell, UFC 51, 59, 61. When I went and started watching Fight Pass freshman year of college, I decided for some reason to start at UFC 50.
1: It's a mile marker. That's all.
0: I was like, you know, UFC 1, I was like, I watched it. I'm like, okay, that was cool, but like. Is a lot different. Yeah, <laughs> so I want some normal stuff. I want something that's a little more of what I'm used to yeah. today, right? So I started at UFC 50, so 51, Arlovsky's on there, and I'm like, who is this guy? He was such an animal, man. And, I mean, he wins that first fight with Tim Sylvia and wins it with a heel hook in about a minute. That fight was crazy. I mean, the first punch he threw, just a crazy oh. – the right overhand – and yeah. drops six foot eight, Tim Sylvia, and then immediately pounces on a heel hook. Um, however, second fight, another first round finish, this time for Tim. Yeah. Andre hurts Tim again. Another right overhand drops the big man. <laughs> but then Tim's able to come back and land kind of an uppercut of his own that drops Arlovsky, and he's able to do the ground and pound to finish it. So you're one and one, two very exciting Great. Yeah, exactly. fights. And then you sets up a trilogy at UFC 61, a headliner, over the rematch between Chuck, or excuse me, between Tito and Ken, but... showing you how much they believed in this fight. Yeah. And the... what you just said. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this a fight. little bit of a dud, huh? One of the worst title fights in UFC history. I mean, these yeah. guys, you could tell neither one of them wanted to get finished. Yeah. So instead, they just kind of stood in front of each other for five rounds. It's you know, it's in a lot of ways. It's have you ever seen the the masterpiece that is Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou one. Mm, very good. Comparison. It is. Imagine that fight, but just two more rounds added to it. <laughs> yeah. So that's why when people tell me Lewis and Ngannou is the worst heavyweight fight of all time, I'm uh, like, uh, hold on. I'm like, well, at least it was over in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, and this is going to be the point I'm getting at. Now that's why this trilogy is looked at in kind of a negative light, and why I even look at it in a negative light. Yeah, the first two fights are great. Highly recommend them, but that third fight is so bad that it feels like it's all kind of for nothing. Much like so Chuck and Tito's
1: on? trilogy, that yeah. third fight just yeah. really yeah. spoils it. You know, you know,
0: it just, and this one might be even worse because, like, I could pretend that Chuck and Tito three never happened. It just never it's happened. It's yeah. out of the UFC. It's yeah. in this weird one-off thing. Yeah, one-off thing. But here, like, this is a part of UFC history. Yeah. So it Fell just down kind of – line. It, it really hurt both guys' careers, too, because Tim Sylvia, I believe, in his next uh, title defense was against Randy Couture. Yeah. Couture just stomped him for five rounds. Yeah. And Tim – was almost released right after that was never really the same same with Arlovsky I believe he would even win a couple fights after this and the UFC still released him yeah Um, just kind of weird that these two guys were kind of scapegoats in a way because UFC looked at the heavyweight division as like low point at this time because you look at you know some of the best heavyweights in the world were looked at as being in pride yeah true true and then you had guys like Randy Couture, who had retired, you know, um, Frank Mir had had his motorcycle accident, yeah. so he was still like kind of out of there. Mark
1: Coleman at this time wasn't what he was at yeah, one I mean, point. You, you know? had
0: guys like Rico Rodriguez that had came and went,
1: and uh, that's Josh why Barnett,
0: I like yeah, you know?
1: and Andre was kind of one of the characters, if you will, during that time. The, the body hair, the physique, he was a police officer, the hair was wavy, the fang mouthpiece. Yep. He was kind of one of the guys at the forefront of the division. And for the two great fights, you know, that started 51 and 59, to have a dud like that at UFC 61 definitely puts a uh, damper on that trilogy.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I still think, like, you can watch those first two fights and have a lot of fun with them perfect way to describe it and i think there's no better way to end than with kind of the og trilogy chuck liddell versus randy couture dominic Mm. these guys were in their trilogy in the the biggest blow up or explosion for the ufc the tough boom these guys were the coaches on the first season of the ultimate fighter so Uh, special is there another i can't think of another trilogy that either has occurred or even in the future will occur. I can't even imagine one happening that will so like seamlessly flow with the growth of the sport.
1: That's a yes. Fantastic way to put it. No, I don't believe we will. Definitely not in the UFC. It'd have Mm -hmm. to come in some other organization because like you said, tough had just happened and it boomed with Forrest and Stefan in the Mm -hmm. finale. Then right after that, you've got your two coaches ready to square off. And then they just have such an incredible trilogy two legends of the fight game, really one of the greatest of all time for sure.
0: Yeah, the first fight was the one that Randy Couture won. Yep. And that was a fight where going in, you know, this was supposed to be Chuck Liddell getting a name, a win over a big name. Yeah. Randy Couture was already, I think, 40 at this point. Yeah, so what an have- <laughs> odd
1: career of Randy Couture.
0: So they were already like, okay, this guy is slowing down. Yeah. That wouldn't end up being true. But regardless, uh, Chuck kind of got stopped by Randy in the first fight mm-hmm. just Randy's res- Randy always when you counted him out the guy he, he would do it to, he would do it to Chuck here yep. and Then he would do it in his next fight when he won the belt from Tito where he slapped him on the ass and all that. <laughs> it's one of my
1: favorite moments yeah. ever.
0: So Chuck loses a tough fight there, but then he comes back, coaches the first uh, season of tough. And then knocks out Randy and fights two and three. Yeah, and really, that was what he needed. He needed those victories, maybe even more so than the Tito ones, to establish himself as the face of the franchise. Yeah, launched him into
1: superstardom. Yeah,
0: right. And um, you know, I think that trilogy, him winning that, is ultimately what propelled him in there. And that's, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, not that I don't want to act like Randy winning this trilogy would somehow. Alter history, and the UFC is not as <laughs> yeah. good because yeah. I love Randy Couture. But I think it was good for the longevity sake that Chuck won while the UFC is blowing up and getting well, bigger. Yeah,
1: and you just look at like a marketability standpoint. Chuck with the uh, tattoo on his head, the mohawk, the mm-hmm. trunks with the icicles on him—he's knocking out everybody or getting knocked out. I mean, he had everything about him during this time. The aura around him was superstar. It was Chuck Liddell, the face of the UFC.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's really going to kind of wrap it up, what we're talking about here. I mean, great discussion, I think, for for being a topic that, you know, we obviously did not come up with right before we started recording. Yes, this has been playing for months, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> for this specific day. Uh, I think, you know, I, being able to look back on kind of these trilogy of fights that have happened, some great some, the some kind of in the middle, but and all then,
1: hold their place. Yeah, they
0: all really do. Like you know, each one. It's kind of like if you go through, like a history museum. Not everything in that museum, is like great. Some of it's yes. kind of bad. Some of but it's, it's there for a reason. Yeah. right. But it's all there. It all tells the story of the history of that thing, whatever. Yeah. it is. yeah. And I think the UFC these trilogies. I don't. I don't think you can tell the history of the UFC in hits full length without including these guys in their fights in there. Yeah. And that's going to stay true with next Saturday, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. It's going to be massive. I mean, if you just want to briefly, we can just kind of say like first fight, each one ends in a knockout one and one going into the third. That's always nice. Six years apart from one and two. You do. You do have a weird thing where there's a big gap between fights one and two. But then two and three all, both happen in the same year. Yeah. So there is kind of a weird time thing going on there. But um, regardless, this feels like their UFC's making a big deal out of this, and they should because you got two big names, Dustin yes. Poirier. After his win, he looks like he's blowing up now. Guys on talk shows, he's selling hot sauce. Yeah. I he's mean, he's riding high. And, Connor and then Connor's
1: Connor, right? So. But um,
0: looking forward to that. But. Um still don't have confirmation for the, the audience on if we're going to do an A couple things episode came Friday. out
1: for the week, that's for sure. We just don't know if we're talking about it on Friday yet or Probably not. Probably
0: more than likely going to do an episode on Monday yeah. Friday. Yeah, give a couple
1: extra days for some news. Yeah, yeah. so we just
0: want to make sure we get some news on there, really fill it out. We don't want to come yeah. at you. We don't want to
1: come on for 15 minutes at yeah, least. So, so.
0: Uh, let's plan for Monday, and then obviously next week that Friday will be another weekend preview, but... The big one, UFC 264, yep. Connor versus Dustin. Three. Till then, Dominic, tell the people where they can find you on social media.
1: Find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Deesley14, and of course, most importantly, go interact with us, follow us, engage with us on Twitter, on Instagram at BAJ <laughs> underscore MMA podcast.
0: You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at NT Baker underscore. If you go to my bio, there's a link to the link tree. Uh, it has all the platforms. The podcast is on so Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, along with the YouTube channel. Um, our social medias are on there and there's a couple links for the anchor page. Uh, if you want to leave a voice message and let us know your thoughts on next week's big main event and Connor versus Dustin, or even the co-main event, I'd yeah. like to hear some thoughts about Stephen Thompson, Gilbert Burns. Let us know and we'll include them in the episode and give you our thoughts
1: Yes, please send them in. We want to get a bunch of people we can. Yeah, That'd be, be awesome.
0: That'd nice. be really nice. Um, also, there's another link for if you want to donate to the podcast. All that money is going to go back into improving the quality of the podcast. Uh, but appreciate any support. That's it. We're out. And we're going to see you all on maybe Monday.
1: Oh, hey. oh hey.